Well, this is a great privilege. I'm, I'm really happy to, to be able to share uh, tonight and to, to look at Acts chapter 10 with you guys. Um, this is a really cool passage of scripture. Some of you are going to pull a life verse out of this, I think, tonight. Uh, there's some of you that you're going to s- say, man, that's in the Bible. That's awesome. I want to get a bumper sticker and uh, uh, I want to put that on my uh, tinted window glass on the back of my pickup truck um, because there are some great Bible verses in here tonight with some, some great application. Um, so uh, turn to Acts chapter 10 if you've not already. And we're also going to try to have it up here on the screen um, as well. Um, Acts is really a cool book to me. I really love um, the trajectory of the gospel, uh, how the gospel just kind of spreads to the world. Uh, we did this, uh, we worked through it a couple oh, semesters ago with, in our student ministry. And, and one of the illustrations I, I kind of used for the students as we went through the book of Acts was, it's, it's like, it's like a, uh, an atomic bomb goes off in Jerusalem and the shockwaves just kind of go out and just affect the entire world. And, and really, if you kind of think about it that way, um, is this on still? Nope. Man, I'm just noisy. Sorry. That bothers me. Is that better? Okay. Um, uh, if, if you kind of look at it that way, as far as the shockwaves of the gospel going out into the world, we're kind of on the outer edge of that shockwave. I mean, right here in, in Woodward today, Woodward, Oklahoma, Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church, uh, we are here today in large part uh, because of the book of Acts, uh, because of the events that happened in the book of Acts as the gospel uh, spread out to the world. Um, and if people in the book of Acts didn't share the gospel, um, Lincoln Avenue wouldn't be here today. Um, that, that's kind of a, a huge thing to think about, but uh, the, the, the result of, of the gospel going out um, is the result of brave men and women uh, who believed with all their heart that Jesus Christ really is greater than anything were willing to pay whatever the price um, so that the glory of Christ could spread uh, to the uttermost uh, parts, of, parts of the world. Um, well, let's read this together. Uh, this is a pretty lengthy passage. Um, we're going to read... Um, pretty much most of it, um, cause there's just a lot here. It's just kind of a story. And in order to get the full, uh, the full thing of the whole story, I think we have to read the whole thing. So, uh, Acts chapter 10, start in verse one at Caesarea. There was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, uh, that's about three o'clock in the afternoon, uh, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner whose house is by the seaside. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. That's, that's noon. 
And he became hungry want, and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the things were taken up at once to heaven. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who is called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to this house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up! I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I've sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death, hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear. Not to all the people, but to us who, have been, who had been close 
uh, who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the, and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in the tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water from ba- for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Let's pray together. Lord, as we uh, look at Cornelius tonight and and the Apostle Peter, Lord, I pray that you would help us. uh, Give us understanding. uh, Challenge us. um, Help us to, uh, for one thing, just to be uh, amazed by your grace, God. Uh, Let us be amazed by the reality that that your arm is not too short to save. Uh, God, you are at work uh, drawing people to yourself, uh, revealing yourself to people. Uh, Lord, also give us um, a challenge as as your people uh, that, Lord, help us to see that we need to be about the business of taking the gospel uh, to uh, to the unreached peoples of of our world, uh, of our community even, uh, people that don't know you. Uh, Lord, help us to be about the business of of sharing and speaking uh, the, the message of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, we love you. Um, we just pray all this in, in your mighty name. Amen. All right. So as we're looking here at Acts chapter 10, a uh, couple things really stick out to all of us, I think, at first. Um, do we have any hunters in here? Any hunters? Anybody a hunter? Okay, Peggy is the only one. Oh, there's Joe in the back. There's a few hunters. I know this stuck out to a lot of you because I saw your ears perk up. Peter's praying, right? He's hungry. It's, it's lunchtime. And what does the Lord say to Peter? Did you miss that? Verse 13. Yes. Rise. Kill and eat, Peter. Isn't that a great verse? I mean, some of you, were, you heard that and you thought, that's, that's the bumper sticker verse. That's the verse that needs to go on the back glass of my of my pickup, right behind where I hang my guns on my rack, right? Uh, that's, that's the Bible verse. That's, that's my life verse. Rise, kill and eat. That's what you do when you're hungry, right? Um, um, not another verse that probably sticks out to us. This, this is really a strange passage, right? This is really, uh, really kind of weird uh, as we're reading through this. There's a sheet that comes down from heaven, you know, the, it's held up by the four corners, and there's all these different animals, right? Uh, you know, when we're looking at that, I mean, well, that just seems really weird. What, why are all those weird animals in the sheet, and it's coming down, and, and Peter has this really weird vision? Okay, remember, a lot of probably religions or a lot of different um, denominations might have some problems with this, but us Baptists, we, we get this. We know what this is talking about, um, it's, it's talking about a potluck, right? I mean, he's hungry. So, I mean, he's probably seeing hot dogs, um, 
you know, uh, fried chicken. It talks about birds and, and stuff like that. So fried chicken, uh, maybe some pork steak, macaroni salad. Yeah, you know, that's, that's probably what's going on here. Um, that seems to be the most obvious interpretation. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, Though these two points are obviously important, I think there's two other things that, that I really want to focus in tonight that, that are even of greater significance. Um, the first thing that I think we want to uh, really kind of focus in on here is that all good people don't go to heaven. Um, and, and I think that's pretty clear um, from this guy Cornelius. We're looking at this guy, a uh, very, very noble guy. I mean... He, he's a giver. Uh, he gives alms and, and it just is a sacrificial giver, helps, helps poor people out. Um, he's a prayer, obviously. Uh, right here, right away, we see him kind of almost the first thing that we see about this guy is that he's praying. Um, and so very religious, uh, very, uh, very respected man um, in his community. Um, and, and also along with that, um, I think is not, not only do all good people not go to heaven, but God's arm is not too short to save. Um, and, and one of the questions I was, I was talking with, uh, with a couple guys this week and, and they brought up this point. I thought this was really helpful, but you know, one of the questions, one of the classic questions, uh, that people ask, um, when you read a verse like Acts four eleven through 12, I'll just read this real quick to you. Um, it's talking about Jesus being uh, the only one through whom we can be saved. Uh, it says verse 12 of Acts chapter four, and there is salvation in no one else, no other name other than the name of Jesus. Uh, for there is no name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And, and people like to ask, well, what happens to a guy who lives in the far unreached places of the world somewhere? And he's, he does fear a creator God. And, uh, you know, what happens to that guy? You know, if he doesn't hear that salvation is only in Jesus. I mean, what, what do you do with that guy? Um, and, and I think this is part of the answer to that question um, right here in, in, Acts, uh, in Acts chapter uh, 10 is, is that, you know what? That guy in the far unreached places of the world, God can still reach him. He's not beyond God's reach. Uh, God can still reveal himself to that man. Uh, God can still draw that man to himself. And God can send somebody, maybe you or me, and get us there so that we can tell that guy about Jesus and how he can know Jesus. Um, so I think that's a pretty big, pretty big deal there. Um, the second point that, that we're going to look at here is that I think Peter sets a great example for us as a, as a church planner. Um, this guy drops everything that he's doing, and he goes to Caesarea, which would have been a capital uh, of, that, of that region, and uh, he drops everything he's doing, goes there, and shares the gospel. Um, and I think, I think he sets a great example for us uh, because he crosses a lot of barriers to do that. Um, and, you know, he crosses cultural barriers. He crosses, uh, obviously, we kind of see that here in, in Acts chapter 10, maybe go into this a little bit more detail later, but um, he, he even tells them, hey, I'm, you know I'm a Jew, and I'm not even supposed to really be here, but let me tell you why I came anyway. Um, God told me to come, and God told me that, you know what? There's no such thing as clean and unclean because God's called you clean. Um, and, and so he sent me here to tell you about Jesus. Um, so, so he crosses all these barriers. Um, 
So let's go back to this first point. Uh, so all people, all good people don't go to heaven. Um, you know, what kind of guy is Cornelius? What do we know about Cornelius from this, uh, this passage? First of all, one of the first things it says about him is he's a centurion, uh, a Roman centurion. Some of you guys that maybe you've seen some, some good movies. How, how many people does a centurion command? Hundred men, right? Hundred men. Um, he would have been um, a part of, uh, as a centurion, a centurion would have been a part of a Roman legion. Um, and so a Roman legion is actually, I think, um, made up of 6,000 men, um, would have been a Roman legion. And so you can do the math there real quick. Um, I think that's going to work out. Maybe it's not. 60? Is that right? 60, um, basically what, what you would have had is 60 centurions in a Roman legion. Uh, so this guy's a, a guy in a, a pretty good, uh, pretty powerful position, got a, a position of authority. Um, he's a devout man. He lives in the, the capital of the Roman capital of Judea. Uh, that's what Caesarea is. Um, so uh, he, he lives there. He's a devout man, says he feared God, gave generously to help poor people. Uh, he was a man of prayer. Um, so a very religious guy. And yet, as Acts chapter 10 opens up, he's praying and God says, hey, you need to send for this guy. You need to send to Joppa, to the house of, and this is, this is just really cool to me. He tells him what house Peter's at. Things that this guy would have had no idea of how to know, how to find Simon Peter, uh, this great apostle. Uh, he probably maybe, I mean, from all intent purposes from this passage of scripture, this guy's probably never heard of Simon Peter, the apostle, um, as, far as, as far as we know. And he tells him, you need to send for this guy, and this is where he's at. He's staying in the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea in this city of Joppa. Uh, is that not cool? I mean, he tells him exactly where to go, exactly where to send uh, for, for Simon Peter. So he does. He, he sends um, for him. He obeys. This is kind of a cool thing, too. He, he immediately <clears throat> obeys God and, uh, and sends two servants and a soldier, uh, one of his men uh, that he trusts, uh, to go get Simon Peter. Um, so, so kind of going back to our earlier question, uh, you know, that people a lot of times ask about, well, you know, if, if, if somebody really has to put their faith in Jesus Christ, what do you do with the, what do you do with the guy on the other side of the world that that's never heard of Jesus? How do you, how do you explain that? Um, when people ask that question, they're assuming something, I think about God and about the gospel. I think what they're assuming is, it seems that God is not active in the process of salvation, that God's a spectator. Uh, to kind of use a, maybe a football game analogy, God's sitting up in the stands just kind of watching. And he's just kind of sitting up there and saying, all right, I wonder how this is all going to turn out. And he's just kind of looking down on the field, looking at the players, and just kind of trying to see, well, I hope they get that guy. I don't know if anybody will, but I sure hope they do. He's just kind of standing back, just kind of passive and just watching the whole thing happen and unfold. But as we read the Bible, and especially as we look here in Acts chapter 10, that's not, all the, not at all the picture of God that we get. 
um, <laughs> we get a picture of God's more like the really good linebacker who's down on the field. He's faster than anybody. He's bigger than anybody. And he hits really hard. I mean, that's probably a better analogy of what God's like. Um, and he may not get you right away, but he's coming. And you know he's coming. And when he hits you, you'll never forget it, right? I mean, that's, that's a better picture, of, I think, of, of how God's at work uh, in our world. He is active. He is active uh, in the process of salvation. Um, he, he's indeed at work. And nobody, nobody is beyond his reach. He's going to get you eventually. Um, so, God's working in the life of this man, Cornelius. He's drawn him to himself. And he's visited by this angel. I, I kind of feel almost compelled to share this because Pastor kind of made a, a, a reference to this this morning um, in his sermon. But he has, God sends an angel to visit Cornelius, doesn't he? And what's, what's Cornelius' response to the angel when he sees him? And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? Um, I mean, again... Uh, this is not the naked baby angels that you see on postcards or in paintings. Um, this is not at all the image that we see of angels in the Bible, or or even even a uh, Victoria's Secret beautiful woman. You know, um, yeah, it's not, it's not that. That's not the picture uh, that we get in the Bible of what the angels looked like. These were beings to be reckoned with, um, feared. Um, mighty, powerful. Uh, we were looking at Isaiah chapter 6. Um, look, look at that tonight if you've never read that passage of Scripture. But it's talking about the throne room of God and the angelic beings that are surrounding, uh, surrounding the throne of God. And, and as, they're, as, they're, as they're speaking out, they're saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And, and what's happening in the temple of God, okay? We're not talking about, uh, you know, a little church building on a hillside. We're talking about the mighty temple of God. And it says the, the pillars, it says that it's shaking with the voices of these angels as they're crying out uh, how holy God is. Um, that's the kind of being um, here that, that Cornelius is being visited by. Um, what, what, what does that say about um, the king when their messengers are that kind of a, a being, that kind of a messenger. What's that say about the king when he's got those kind of guys to send out to just kind of deliver a message? Uh, I mean, we're not, we're not even talking about, I mean, this guy's just a messenger. But he's, man, he is great. Uh, what does that say about our God? He, he's great, isn't he? Um, so this angel gives um, Cornelius instructions and uh, Cornelius is, is compelled to obey and to follow um, and, and, and believes good things are to come. So he sends out these guys. And um, he, he, here's, here's the big point here. God is at work, right? God is at work in Caesarea. Uh, God is at work in the life of this man Cornelius to draw him to himself. The second thing that we're going to talk about uh, a little bit here is Peter goes and plants a church, right? Uh, how does this happen? Uh, first thing that I think is really significant is that Peter is praying and seeking the Lord. Um, 
And, and this kind of, as we read this, it kind of gives us the feeling that this was something that was a part of Peter's daily life. Um, here he is, he's praying, he's seeking the Lord. And what happens in, in Peter's time of prayer is that, that God gives him some instructions, doesn't he? He gives him some instructions and ultimately gives him some instructions to go and, and, and go and be a part of, of God's mission of, of, of spreading the gospel uh, to, into the lives of, very personally, uh, Cornelius and his entire household. Um, and so um, this, this is a really cool thing. And I guess I want us to, to see this from the perspective of maybe a question we could ask ourselves is, how much time do I spend just praying um, and really seeking God, from the perspective of God, how, how do you want to use me to build your kingdom? How, how do you want to use me? I'm here in Woodward, Oklahoma, or wherever you're at. Uh, God, how do you want to use me to advance your kingdom? What kinds of ways do you want to, to use me? Um, I think that's a great place for all of us to probably start. Uh, it's just on our knees, praying, seeking God, asking God, how do you want to use me, God? And ultimately, as a result of Peter's prayer time, he's commanded to go with three strange men um, by the Holy Spirit. And Peter will go. Um, he clears his schedule and goes. And, I, and I'm just guessing. I know a lot of excuses that, that are given a lot of times, and I do this as well, um, when, when I feel almost compelled to go and minister to somebody or go and, and share the gospel is, is, God, I'm busy right now. I've got all these things on my schedule. I've got all these things that need to be done. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm just kind of um, ad-libbing here or, or kind of uh, making a little story up. But, but, you know, don't you think Peter was probably a pretty busy guy? I mean, he's, he's an apostle, right? Um, he's got a church of how many people? Um, like thousands, right? Um, and so he's, he's a busy, busy guy. Obviously, uh, he's here in Joppa. And uh, we know from later in the passage of Scripture that, uh, that there's brothers there in, the, in that church that, that go with him to Caesarea. Um, and so, I mean, he's, he's a busy guy. There's churches being planted. He's got ministry going on. Um, and maybe John, maybe John's, I'm just imagining maybe John, the other apostles there with him or just happens to be there. And John's like, you know, hey, hey, John, come here. What's my schedule look like tomorrow? You know, what's, got, what's on the calendar? And John's like, well, there's this guy, uh, Paul or Saul, he just got saved and, uh, or he claims to just got saved, but you know, he has a pretty bad reputation. Remember, uh, that whole thing with Stephen, uh, you know, he, I think he was in on that deal. And, and so he's, he's, he's got, we, we've, we're, we've got to try to figure him out tomorrow. And, and so Peter's like, Hey guys, sorry, I can't go. I can't go uh, with you tomorrow. Uh, how's Thursday for you? You know, I mean, he doesn't do that. He just clears his schedule and he says, okay, I'm going with you guys. Let, we'll leave. We'll leave in the morning. We'll, we'll eat dinner and, and we'll leave in the morning. And uh, I think that's really a cool thing. Uh, here's Peter, uh, and he just clears his busy schedule to go be a part of of what the Spirit is leading him to do. So Peter hears the story of Cornelius, uh, no doubt, as he's listening to these guys uh, tell tell this story because they're, they're kind of relaying what Cornelius has told them. No, no doubt he knows God is up to something. Um, 
he, he gets up the next day, travels. Um, it's over a day's journey. We kind of get that just from the day's travel that's in between uh, Joppa and, and Caesarea. Uh, it's a full day at least, and then they must have to stay overnight and then kind of get there uh, half, halfway through the next day. Um, and, uh, and he goes in. And what happens when Peter walks into the door of Cornelius' house? This is, again, I think kind of significant because of what Pastor shared this morning. Um, but he walks into the door of Cornelius' house and Cornelius falls down before Peter and he starts to worship him. Um, and, and what's Peter's response? Uh, it's definitely not King Herod's response, right? Uh, he doesn't say, oh yeah, I deserve that. Thanks for bowing before me. I've traveled a long ways and I'm a very important person and you should fall down before me. I am really great. No, Peter's response is, is just really simply, very humbly. Stand up. I'm just a man like you. I'm nobody, I'm nobody special. Don't bow before me. He's humble and shows humility. Well, they kind of go through this uh, little banter. They kind of banter back and forth. Peter asks him some questions and and you know why why did you send for me and and, and all this and and Cornelius man and, and this is a cool thing too uh, I think man I, Cornelius is just really expecting God to do something great God's so at work in this guy's life he is so expecting God to reveal something awesome that what has he done he sent out invitations and he's basically knocked on all his family's doors and and he's brought everybody together. I mean, I don't, it just seems like maybe he went to all his neighbors and especially all the people he must've really liked. And he's like, Hey, some God's up to something awesome. And you're not going to want to miss this. Come and and hear what this guy's going to say. Cause he's going to say something great. He's just really expecting great things. Um, and so, so, so here, here they all, they're, they're all gathered and what's the message that Peter shares? Uh, yeah, I don't know that there's anywhere. I might be wrong. Let me kind of look here really quick. I want to make sure I'm not misspeaking. I don't think God ever tells Peter that he's supposed to share the gospel. But it's almost like he just already knows intuitively. I mean, he's, he already knows that's why he's going. Uh, does that make sense? He, he already knows. The reason I'm here is to tell these people about Jesus. He knows that's the reason. And I... I almost wonder if there's a, a lesson for us there. Um, I know sometimes, especially when maybe I see somebody who seems like a really good person or somebody who just seems to really have it all together, I kind of look at that person and I almost think, they probably already got it. They're, they're fine. Um, but I wonder if there's a message here that we should always just assume right off the bat that, you know what? Jesus is awesome and the gospel's awesome. And you know what? Let's just start right there. Let's just, let's just make it a habit to start with the gospel. Let's just start with Jesus. 
Um, if, if he's a believer, what's the worst that could happen? I mean, if somebody's a believer and you start telling them about Jesus, are they going to get offended? Has anybody shared, anybody like, like you're on a plane or something like that and like somebody starts telling you about Jesus? Has that ever happened to anybody? That's happened to me a couple times. I've been, you know, either on a plane or a bus ride somewhere and somebody just like, man, I, you know, one of the greatest things that's happened in my life is, you know, that Jesus Christ has changed my life. And they just start sharing Jesus. I had this happen uh, when Michelle and I were uh, in, uh, in Hawaii a couple weeks ago. Um, I was actually, uh, what was I doing? I, was, I went up to the front desk. I was checking on something about our room. And, and the lady at the front desk, I don't know if what I said, but I said something. And, and she kind of made this reference to her. She goes, are, are you a Christian? I mean, she just asked me kind of right out. I mean, like like she was getting ready to share something with me. And, and I was like, well, yeah, I am. Are you? I, and I, I kind of, my response back to her was, are you a follower of Jesus? And, you know, it, you know what? That wasn't offensive to me. I was not offended by her asking me that. Um, it, you know, it wasn't like, oh, gosh, what annoying people, you know? Why are you asking me about Jesus? No, that, that blesses me. Um, you know, and I think, I think, I think we can't go wrong. Uh, by starting with with Jesus and starting with the gospel, uh, so Peter starts with the gospel and he, he shares the gospel. And what happens as Peter is sharing? God works, doesn't he? And I think this is really important. Um, we need to share the gospel and trust that God is going to do what only He can do. Um, and and there's times where. You know what? I've shared the gospel and nothing happens. Um, but there's also been times where, where I share the gospel and I feel like I do a really poor job. And then God just works. And he just like opens hearts, open eyes. And they see, for whatever reason, in spite of my terrible explanation of the gospel, they get it perfectly, crystal clear. And they're like, yeah, I need Jesus. That's exactly right. I, thank you for sharing. And, and, and they're ready to, to trust in Christ. God is at work. Um, God is opening people's eyes and drawing people to himself. Um, as, we, as we wrap up, Here's a couple conclusions. Um, maybe a question that I think hopefully kind of has a conclusion for us. As we think about this passage of Scripture and we think about our lives, do you and I see God as actively pursuing people? Or do we see Him as a passive spectator? When you think about God, when you think about His work of, 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 of people being saved and people coming to know Him, do you see God as, as active, as the linebacker, or do you see Him as a spectator sitting up in the stands? Because really the difference between how we think about God in that equation, doesn't that make a di- big difference in how we, how we share and how we live our lives? If we see God just kind of passively, no big deal. I'm just kind of watching to see how things come out. If we see God that way, 
That's, that's kind of scary to me. But you know what? If I think of God, that God's actively at work in people's lives, and God's already ahead of me, drawing people to himself, and man, you know what? As I get ready to talk to this person, God may be very well at work in their life. That gives me boldness. Does that not give you boldness to think, man, I don't know where God might be working at. God may be working in somebody's life that I'm going to run into today. How cool is that? How cool is that, that God's, God's already at work? Um, my brother John, a lot of you know, uh, he's one of the missionaries that, that our church is supporting. Uh, he's getting ready to go uh, to uh, the Czech Republic. His family's making preparations. They're waiting on their visas right now. Um, but there's, God's at work in the Czech Republic. Um, he's, he's already raising up men who are wanting to be pastors and to plant churches over there. Um, and so, you know, kind of as we think about that, the cool thing is, is I, I realize that, you know, my brother and his family are going over there, and, but they're, they're not going by themselves. They're not going to a God-forsaken place where God's not at work. God's working over there. There's not very many churches over there. There's not very many Christians, but there are, there are some, and the ones that are are radical and, and are really leveraging their lives and their resources to press the gospel in, into that area and to plant churches. And so that's exciting. Um, so God's, God's definitely at work. God is actively at work. Um, here's another thing. Um, and, and we've kind of talked about this already. Do you look at people... And automatically assume when you see somebody that's kind of got it all together, you automatically assume that they don't need Jesus because their their life just looks so so clear, so crisp. Uh, they're the people that man, they never get anything on their shirt, they never get dirty. Uh, they're just clean cut looking. They just they man, everything they touch seems to turn to gold. Um, they're just very successful. Um, do we look at people like that and think, man, I, I don't feel like I've got it all together like that. <laughs> and I'm going to tell that person that they need Jesus. And they're going to look at me and say, yeah, right. You're such a screw up. You're such a goofball. Look at me. I've got it all together. What are you telling me about what I need? Um, do, do you do that? Do you compare yourself to people that way? And, and uh, man, let, let's just take Peter and Cornelius and just kind of put them side by side, okay? <laughs> What's Peter's track record? Uh, Peter's a guy that seems to always stick his foot in his mouth. Um, <laughs> you know, that's kind of his, his track record. Um, he's a fisherman, okay? Uh, doesn't probably look like a guy that has, has it all together, um, he, he betrayed the guy that he said that he would die for. And here's Cornelius, ah, successful centurion, uh, religious guy, guy that everybody respects. Peter, he's been arrested a couple times already, hasn't he? By Acts chapter 10, we've read about him getting arrested and, uh, pastor talked about him getting out of prison today. Uh, that comes later, but, uh, but not, not really a guy that you'd look at on the outside and say, yeah, he's a guy that's got it all together. And yet, the gospel, <laughs> Peter's got the gospel. He knows Jesus. 
And God sends him to this guy, Cornelius, this clean-cut looking guy. And Cornelius, you know what? He may look like he's got it all together, but he knows. He knows he needs Jesus. He knows he needs something else. Um, And so the gospel goes there. Um, Peter believes God is at work. And it gives him boldness to travel. It gives him boldness to maybe push aside a busy schedule. Um, He doesn't allow cultural differences to stand in the way of him sharing the gospel. And, uh, you know, as we think about that, what are the... When, when you think about sharing your faith with other people in your life, what are the barriers that you think of automatically when you look at the people around you? Uh, what are the barriers to you sharing the gospel with, with people that are in your everyday life? Well, that person's a lot different than me. Um, that person's maybe really busy. Um, or, or maybe, man, that person lives in a different part of town than I do. Um, or maybe even, maybe some of you maybe even think of this from a missions perspective and you think about, you know, I know there's some people that go on mission trips like to other parts of the world and maybe to other parts of, you know, we've got some kids that are students that are going to go to St. Louis this summer. That's a scary thing. I mean, that's just real. It's scary to go somewhere different that you've never been before. And and so you, you look at that and you think, man, that's a barrier. That's a barrier for me. I don't know if I want to go somewhere different where I'm, I'm going to be different and the customs are different and maybe the language is different. And yet, God calls us to go. And, and I think something that can fill us with boldness when we, when we think about that, when we look at that, is this reality that, you know what? God's already working there. God's already at work there. And... Don't you want to be where God's at work? Man, I do. I want to be where God's at work. And God uses a guy like Peter. Could God use somebody like me? You bet he could. God can use anybody. Last thing. And I think this is a pretty cool thing too. When Peter goes... To, uh, to Caesarea. How many people go with them? I don't know if you caught that or not. That's kind of a little subtle thing. Uh, there's a little side note there in, in, in Acts 10.23. Uh, because uh, um, Peter, Peter gets this very specific call. He's supposed to go with these three guys. Um, it's kind of a scary thing. Peter's just, man, he doesn't know these guys from anybody other than the Holy Spirit told him to go with them. It says, so... Um, Wait a minute, that must be the wrong verse. 10, 23, 10. No, it is 23. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. Uh, we don't actually find out in Acts chapter 10 how many go, but in Acts chapter 11 it tells us um, in verse 12, uh, he's, Peter is explaining to um, some of the Jewish Christians what's happened. And, um, and he says uh, in verse 12, and the Spirit told me to go with them and making no distinction. And these, apparently there's some guys with him. These six brothers also accompanied me and we entered the man's house. Um, and so there's six, there's six other brothers that said, Peter, if you're going, we're going with you. Because God is definitely at work. 
God is definitely at work. Isn't that a cool spirit? Um, isn't that a cool attitude to say, man, if, if you're going to share the gospel, we want to go with you. We want to be a part of helping that ministry get started. And so they just go and they pack up their stuff. They clear their schedules. They leverage their resources, whatever they've got to get to Caesarea to share the gospel with this, this whole family, uh, this whole household. And as we, as we finish this up, what's, what happens there in, in Acts chapter, at the end of Acts chapter 10? Um, Peter goes to share the gospel with one guy, Cornelius. And what does God do with that as a result? God plants a church. I mean, that's what essentially happens here, right? Uh, the whole household, it tells, it says it's the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. So we, this guy's probably got a big house. It's full of people. And a church is planted right there in Caesarea. Uh, man, what a cool thing. God plants a whole church. Um, you know, one thing the pastor's been sharing about here uh, a lot lately is is the possibility of Lincoln being involved in planning a church um, somewhere else um, in the world um, uh, as far as really partnering with a pastor uh, helping send a pastor um, maybe even maybe even sending some of our people to go uh, be with them and help plant a church um, man how exciting would that be for us as as a church to be about that uh, to be a part of that financially and investing our lives in that. Um, and I think that's a big call, a big part of the gospel call for us is, is that we would do that and be a part of that kind of ministry. Uh, let me pray with you and, and we're, we're out of time. So thanks for being here. Thanks for uh, being patient with me as I, as I stumble through that. Uh, let's pray together. Jesus, you are, uh, you are really greater than anything. And it is a cool thing to see, uh, you actively at work here in the book of Acts. Um, but, but also I know that there's something there uh, for us that, that we can trust that um, not only were you at work then, uh, but you are also at work right now. Uh, you're at work in the lives of, of people in this room. You're at work in the lives of people in, in this community. And Lord, you're asking us to be willing to trust you and to believe in faith that we can just be a part of, of joining you, God, wherever you're working at. Um, Lord, help us to be people of prayer. Um, for one thing, that are, that are asking you to, to make us aware of where you're working and, and help us to be sensitive uh, to where you're working so that we can join you. Um, Help us to be willing and excited uh, to go and to join you when those opportunities arise. Um, Lord, help us to, to see uh, when, when, when an opportunity like a mission trip comes up, when an opportunity uh, like a church plant comes up and, and we hear about it and we have an opportunity to help and to be a part of, of planting and be a part of going or sending, uh, that those are, those, are, those are opportunities where you're speaking to us. Uh, you're, you're giving us opportunities to be a part uh, of your of your kingdom uh, spreading to the ends of the earth. Um, Lord, help us to be excited about that. Help us to be um, 
Help us to be watchful for that. Lord, we love you. Um, Lord, thank you for um, the way that you've pursued us. Uh, Even as we close tonight and think about the gospel, Lord, thank you for the way that you've pursued us. And uh, Lord, help us to believe in faith that uh, you're, you're also pursuing other people. And you want to use us uh, to be a part of, uh, of, of spreading the gospel and, and, and sharing the gospel and taking the gospel. Uh, Lord, we love you. And we pray all this in, in the name of above all names, in the name of Jesus. Amen.